0: If you want these to be included in the agreement, you're going to have to pay for it. And that's typically where a lot of influencers miss out on either getting more money or they put themselves in a position where they're giving away ownership of their content or giving away really broad licenses for their content and they weren't compensated for that. And IP is important. And you don't just give away ownership of your IP, which is intellectual property. So that's your photos, that can be your videos, that can be your blogs. Those are big things they're asking for. So it's just shocking how easily and quickly, they put those in agreements and expect influencers to just sign
1: them away. Hi, Offscripters. It's your host, Sewa Ejepele. And welcome to episode 115 of the She's Offscript podcast. This is a show where we hear and learn from women who created unique blueprints for success. My hope is that you'll hear their stories and translate their gems into a unique path for yourself. In today's episode, we meet influencer attorney and expert negotiator, Stephanie Onyekore. Steph started her career advising tech companies in Silicon Valley, but then got intrigued by the parallels between her tech clients and the influencers she was following she quickly saw how she could make a bigger impact in the influencer space where she saw many women leaving money on the table because they weren't negotiating the deals brands were offering them. If you're new to negotiating influencer deals and partnerships, listen up because Steph is giving us a behind the scenes view into how we should be negotiating. Before we hear the rest of Steph's story, I would love it if you could subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes. This will help to spread the word about our podcast, so amazing stories like Steph's can continue to inspire women looking to launch their own off-script journeys. With that, let's go off-script with the CEO of Advise by Steph, Stephanie Onyekwere. Stephanie Onyekwere, welcome to She's Off Script. Thank you for being here. Hi.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: So for any of our listeners who haven't heard of you, could you share who you are and what you do?
0: Yes, of course. Hi, everyone. I'm Steph. I am the founder of Advice by Steph LLC, and I help influencers negotiate brand deals and understand their brand deal contracts. So I know you
1: started your career advising tech clients in Silicon Valley. Why the transition into the influencer space?
0: Well, when I was working with tech companies um, in Silicon Valley, I'm a lawyer. I don't even know if I said that at the beginning, but I am a lawyer. And um, I loved being in Silicon Valley because you're working with a lot of startups. Um, I started seeing a lot of influencers, just the industry started booming a lot more. Um, I'm not really sure how it just came about, but I started really noticing influencers. And I realized that influencers are like little businesses in themselves. And they're almost very similar to startups, except... lot of influencers weren't really recognizing or seeing themselves as a business. And I just really loved that there were so many women and so many women of color, you know, being in the influencer space and, you know, being in Silicon Valley, that's not, that's not really the people you're around and the people you see. So I, it was just a better fit for me than, you know, working with um, the companies and in the Silicon Valley tech companies.
1: So how did you come up to speed in the industry or on the industry? Uh,
0: it was hard. (laughs) I basically had to, you know, learn as if I was an influencer. I thought I could just, you know, I'm like, I'm a lawyer, you know, they, they're doing contracts. They know they need me um, because like, they know they need a lawyer, but that was definitely not the case. And I definitely, I had a reality check very early on about, you know, influencers really trusting and, and Wanting to know, you know, have you been through this, a similar struggle of the influencer world? Do you know the journey? Do you know, you know, what the work is behind it? And so I actually started off with my dog. I have a golden doodle, he's 80 pounds and he gets a lot of attention just giving him walks. And so I created an Instagram for him um, just to really get an understanding of, you know, what it takes to create content, what it takes to be a part of the influencer industry. And then from there, I started reading, you know, or research, maybe that's the lawyer in me, just started reading, watching a lot of blogs, or listening to a lot of podcasts, watching and reading a lot of blogs and following a lot of other influencers and just really focusing full on on like what it really takes. What is this job these influencers are doing? What is in this industry? And just, you know, asking around and that really helped me catch up to speed because so many influencers provide so much information out there. And so just doing a little digging helped a lot.
1: How long did that process take for you?
0: It was probably, I created my dog's Instagram and maybe had his for like six months, a year. I was also, you know, still working at a law firm. So that was kind of something I was doing just as like a break. It was fun getting at, got me outside, got me going and doing things. And then really probably about like, like six months, it took me from like, listening to everybody's podcast about (laughs) had anything to do with influencers. I started from episode one, just as I was driving and commuting in the Bay Area, anything I was doing, I was listening to a podcast about how to be an influencer. I was reading something about how to be an influencer. I was like scrolling all the way down to these influencer accounts and things like, what did they do at the beginning? Like, what was it like? I was really digging in like a research project. it was probably about like four months of doing all that. And then finally putting myself out there and reaching out to influencers and and you know, asking them like, oh, who's reviewing your contracts? Do you need some help? And, and kind of having a lot of support from influencers who saw me coming in in the early stages and really wanting to work with me and help me grow. So yeah, it took about maybe like four to six months to really understand what it takes to be an influencer. And then it took putting myself out there and creating a platform for myself, which I did not want to do. <laughs> I did not see myself as a content creator. I did not want to, I was like, oh, picture of myself all the time. But it was actually became very enjoyable and like I became so much better at taking photos of myself and, you know, COVID kind of forced me to, you know, really <laughs> tone, like really get into my content. Um, so it it's still on this journey of understanding influencers and understanding the industry mm-hmm. and how um, brands see influencers as well. So, so you know, early. it
1: is definitely a change in perspective, just like you said, because when you're in-house yeah. working for someone else, Everything is inbound to you. You're given the assignments, the clients come to you. But now when you are the business owner, you have to go out there and get the client. You have to be out there and marketing yourself. So when you first started to reach out to influencers, how did they receive you? Because they didn't know who you were. They didn't know what you could mm-hmm. do. And then when you hear lawyer, you think ding ding dollar signs, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so how how are you able to navigate that? Were you reviewing
0: contracts were free? At first, yes. A lot of it was free to little work or free to little money at first. And, and when I, and like I was saying a little earlier, like I came in, like, you know, of course they know why they need me. They're reviewing contracts. And, you know, I have calls with influencers and they're like, well, how many followers do you have? And how long have you been taking photos? And I'm like, what? Like, what, what do I <laughs> but do I'm a doing? lawyer. What? what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't need followers to review a contract, but they're like, do you understand like what I'm doing? And it really just, you know, it that really caught me off guard about like understanding what, you know, I needed to understand them a lot more. And they wanted me to not just be a lawyer, but to really, you know, be in their industry, be in the influencer industry. And so I did work with influencers for free or very low, maybe for like a percentage of the brand deals. And I started off pitching and negotiating deals, which I learned very quickly is not for me on the pitching side because what not were my you pitching
1: for your dog or for yourself
0: oh for for the other influencers I was pitching oh. their brands.
1: yeah that sounds like above and beyond for a lawyer
0: absolutely
1: <laughs> okay tell me more
0: absolutely. absolutely because a lot of influencers out there what I was you know realizing is that they're you know not only do they want somebody to negotiate for them but they're also struggling on one end to just you know get more Brando's you know, coming in, in their door. That's mm-hmm. what I learned. That's somebody else's job. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's something that you have to understand when you're operating a business and when you're starting your own business, it's something's, it's somebody else's job. Mm-hmm. And not your job. There's a learning curve. And, um, I did work with a couple influencers. I was pitching deals for them, responding to deals for them, and negotiating their deals. And that's where I kind of got my foot in the door and really getting to see how brands treat influencers and getting to see the brand contracts and really seeing what influencers are are not doing uh, when it comes to you know advocating for your own self, negotiating your deals, and really getting to have conversations with with influencers about you know how do you usually, if I wasn't here, how would you usually do it? And it's Mm -hmm. just like, I wouldn't even review the contract. I would just sign it as long as they, you know, agree too often, too often does that have to happen where. That's like adulting 101, always read the contract. (laughs) Always review review them. Um, But, you know, a lot of times I think they're, the way brands treat influencers, especially, you know, if I was talking to them and before they knew I was a lawyer, it's just, you know, kind of like, belittling them, anything you say, like, no, don't worry about it. And so I really got to see the other side and mm. it helped me be able to, you know, provide what I realized influencers needed was a lot of education on the importance of reviewing. Before you get to working with me, before you get to even paying me, you need to understand why you need mm. And that's where a lot of my content comes from on Instagram. It's really educating influencers on the importance of reviewing your contracts, the liabilities of not reviewing your contracts, and how you can potentially be missing out on you know, additional money if you're not reviewing your brand contracts and negotiating those agreements.
1: So walk us through what a brand negotiation or a deal negotiation looks like once you enter the scene.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, usually how it starts, because a lot of influencers do struggle with having the confidence to ask for a lot of money, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, once you get out of the hundreds of dollars and you're getting to the thousands of dollars, even with high number of followings. I worked with an influencer who has, you know, over 200,000 followers and she still has, you know, some, you know, confidence issues around saying, I went (laughs) $10,000 for Mm -hmm. that amount, Mm -hmm. for that content, I went $20,000. And
1: I definitely want to talk about the lack of transparency around pricing, but I'll let you finish with walking us through the negotiation.
0: Absolutely. And um, so usually um, influencers like to bring me in to help negotiate the rates too. So very early on in the beginning, and, you know, we're just kind of talking about, which is kind of weird to, for me at least, to talk about um, how much I'm, somebody is going to pay Pay you when not when you haven't even seen the agreement, haven't seen like you know the additional stuff they may ask for it, which is typically in the agreement. And so usually it's in emails, and you're going back and forth based on the deliverables they're asking you for, so the pieces of content they want you to create and how much they have to pay for that. After you kind of you get to a number there, there's a second level of when they send you over their contract, which is typically a form that probably a law firm has drafted for them or some lawyers drafted for them, and um, it has all these provisions, all these obligations, all these restrictions that nobody has discussed and nobody has heard about. It has exclusivity in there, has these broad licenses. It, sometimes it has ownership um, rights to the brand that nobody has discussed and nor has it been put into consideration when you know, giving the rate. And so from there, there's another negotiation about if you want these to be included in the agreement, you're going to have to pay for it. And that's typically where a lot of influencers miss out on either getting more money or they, you know, put themselves in a position where they're giving away ownership of their content or giving away really broad licenses for Mm -hmm. their content. And they weren't compensated for that. And any company knows IP is important, you know, to your business. And you don't just give away ownership of your IP, which is intellectual property. So that's your, you know, that can be your photos, that can be your videos, that can be your blogs, you know, that, all be considered IP. And any company knows those are big things they're asking for. So mm-hmm. it's just shocking how easily and quickly they put those in agreements and expect influencers to just sign them away.
1: Ooh. So kind of back to the point of yeah. the lack of transparency within this industry, it's not, the pricing yeah. is not very standardized. So what is the best way for a new influencer to get inside into the rate so that they don't get lowballed?
0: I think the best way is to really get into a lot of influencer communities um, because a lot of times, you know, you're looking on what people do is they do a quick Google search or something like that to try to figure out their rate. And there's these calculators that just, I don't know if they're created by brands, but they're just really undervaluing influencer Mm. and like what what they do. And I think most of the time it's because they're only looking at a small portion of what an influencer provides, which is their audience numbers. And they're not taking into consideration the content creation side, which is like the time it takes, the resources it takes to create this content. And you should also be compensated for and should be taken into consideration with the rate. So that's why it's really good to get into some of these programs. Um, But also you have to sit down for yourself and figure out how much do I want to get paid? And you have to ask for it. So you may, maybe it, you may say, I want to get paid, you know, a 100. Not how much do you, does the, will the brand pay you? How much you personally want to get paid? Don't take that into consideration yet. And when you get to that number, ask for it. Just keep asking for it. That's what it takes to, to, that's what it takes to get your time. You usually have a number in mind when you go to a job and you're, you're applying for a job. You have some random number in mind. Maybe it's because you, you know, maybe you were paid that before or something like that, but you need to kind of assess it, assess for yourself. How much for all this time to create this video, how much do I need a brand to pay me to create it specifically for them? And then just keep asking for it, just keep Mm. asking for it. And if they don't want to pay you that, then it's not worth your time and you didn't miss out.
1: That's the clarity you need to be able to walk away, right? Because you don't want to be working for pennies or losing money when you're working. So earlier, you also mentioned licensing, and I know that's one revenue stream for influencers. So could you walk us through what does that mean to license your content and how much could we get for licensing our content?
0: Yeah. Well, licensing is basically giving somebody permission to use your content. So typically when you're creating content, you are the owner of that content and you have certain rights to it. One of it is the ability to publicly display it, to you know commercialize it, any of that stuff. For another person to be able to use your content they need a license or some permission um, to be able to do that, whether it's for posting it on Instagram, posting on their, or putting it on their website, anything like that. So for influencers, what typically happens is that a brand will reach out to them, whether it's for a brand deal or whether it's for just kind of, sometimes they just put it in the comments, like put, I agree um, if I can use your picture. I was which I ask hate, you so. about that. Yeah. I, if I can tell anything to influencers, I've spoken about this a lot. Just don't put, I agree. Don't put, I agree. Cause, Cause what are you agreeing to? E- exactly. Exactly. And I've seen, sometimes they do include like a little link where you have to copy and paste it and take that extra step and look at the link that you're agreeing to. And it's horrible. It's a very broad, broad, broad license. And it's just not very favorable to you. And and it just doesn't make sense if you literally are not building any type of relationship. You're you, You know, the brand typically doesn't have any obligation to give you any credit. Um, So just not very favorable to you. So maybe let's take take a little,
1: a little detour here. What should be our response if we do want to build a relationship with the brand when they say enter hashtag blah, 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 what should we do?
0: what you should do is, you know, DM that influence or sorry, DM that brand and, you know, let them know that you would love, you know, you appreciate that they like your content you would love to partner with them or to work with them and, you know, and then go and try to pitch a a deal from them there. Maybe ask them for an email contact of like their influencer relations, influencer, marketing person, and try to get a contact that way. What you're really trying to do is take it off of like Instagram or social media and get it into email. So if the best thing you can do from that um, from that, po- that post that they send or that comment that they send over is get a contact from that, those contacts are very valuable and you get like direct access to the person in charge of potentially getting you a brand deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but typically it's, it's, they send that to a lot of people. If you tag a brand, they send that out to a lot of people. So they're unwilling to negotiate and they're unwilling to pay for it, but you may be able to get like a contact information for that and pitch a deal to that person and then get something better from there.
1: Mm -hmm. Cause you are right. Influencers are leaving a lot of money on the table. Cause I I follow an influencer who's doing very well and I know they had gotten a licensing deal with a specific media company for photos, and yes. that same media company featured someone I know who's a smaller influencer. I said, "Oh, you got a licensing deal?" She was like, "No," <laughs> like she just she said, "I tagged them and they used my my image." And so, what happens then if? Even without permission, just because you use a specific hashtag, a brand uses your photo. What's your recourse? What should you? How should you approach them in a way that you can still um, nurture a relationship with them?
0: Um, I think the best way to do it is when you see that your your photos are being used. Especially, I mean, if you put "I agree," you agreed to it, so there's not much you can do there, <laughs> um, uh, other than saying you want to, you know, reaching back out to them and saying okay, you know more content for them, but. Um, Whenever you see a brand reaching out to your content, I personally think that you should just, you know, reach out to them and let them know that for, to use your content, you have a licensing fee and you would love, you know, and we're asking for them to pay that licensing fee, but you would love to be able to, you know, create content for them on a paid basis Mm -hmm. and just really, you know, by using your content, it shows that they like what you're creating for them and they, Somewhat no, it's, it's probably very rare that they don't know they're not supposed to be doing that. It's just the, the risk is very low for them because a lot mm-hmm. of influencers allow them to do that and they can get away with it. And then if somebody says something, they'll just take it down. But I think you should take a very strong stance to that and let them know and go ahead and send them your invoice for that licensing fee, but also do it in a very kind way and mm-hmm. say, but oh, you, yeah, you would love to partner with them or you would love to you know work on a collaboration with them so that they can use your content on a paid basis. Um, but I definitely don't think you should just you know allow an a brand to use your content and hope for you know to gain followers for that from that or hope that they reach out to you in the future to create something for you. They already got it for free. They don't need like they they probably don't feel like any you know any obligation to pay you because they mm-hmm. just took it without paying you in the first place. Rather, and if you would have if you would have did something like that to the brand, they absolutely would not let you get away with that. Um so definitely. Think of your of your content and your photos as very as valuable things to your company, to your business as an influencer. And you gotta protect it. You gotta, you gotta go after the people that are are using it. You know, companies, bigger companies do it all the time. They have teams to do it. Um, although you're a smaller company, it's still your responsibility to make sure that people pay you um, to use your content and you don't miss out, like you said, you're not leaving that on the table.
1: Mm. So what are some commonly misunderstood terms in agreements that you think these are terms that influencers need to take note of the next time they're looking at a contract? Because my assumption is most influencers don't have an attorney in their corner. They're just reviewing it themselves because quite frankly, they're not getting that much per post earlier on. So what Mm -hmm. should we be focused on in those agreements?
0: I th- in your agreements, I mean, I think there are big things that you should watch out for And a lot of influencers try to at least and it comes to the licensing provisions and the exclusivity obligations, um, because those are typically in your agreement. I think when it comes to your licenses, a lot of times you look to one place to find that license and you're just trying to look for, you know, like I'm granting or I hereby, maybe some specific language that you picked up. But a lot of times in agreements, it's not that simple. You have to look at the whole entire agreement because there are many times where, where brands stick multiple licenses in an agreement. And so you may take out, fix up one license and you don't actually realize that like you also have additional license grants, maybe from bad drafting, maybe they are trying to be a little sneaky, you know, you never really know. And so really looking at those licenses and seeing exactly what they're saying. And so whenever a brand reaches out to you, and they may be asking you we need this license for this campaign they should not have a perpetual license in there perpetual means forever mm-hmm. one word can completely changes the whole entire license they don't need a perpetual license it's for a 3 month period a 2 week period you know like it's something very small so making sure you pay attention to exactly what you're granting and then when it comes to exclusivity, a lot of people look for the word exclusivity, but it doesn't have to say exclusivity for there to be restrictions on who you can work with. Maybe it says something about a non-competition non-compet- or non-compete. Maybe it just says something about, you know, you you are unable to, you know, work with, you know, this and this brand. All of that counts as being an exclusive provision and they don't, they may not, it may not be favorable to them to put a big, heading that says exclusivity. So really paying attention to what it actually means. What are they restricting you and your business from doing? Are they restricting you from working with another brand? Are they restricting you from being able to, to for you personally, to get into uh, an industry? Because I know a lot of times influencers, you know, you're trying to, maybe you want to create a lipstick, you want to create um, and branch out some of your you know, your business a little bit. Well, if you have a non-competition agreement, which says that you also cannot compete with the brand that you signed and maybe it lasts a lot and you know, extends outside of the termination or the expiration of your agreement. And then you create a lipstick with that beauty and that beauty brand comes after you because you're not supposed to be creating something like that. Little Ooh, things like that. Cause
1: you're <laughs> competing with them. That makes
0: sense. Absolutely. Oh my absolutely. gosh. And some of these terms, they do you know, survive or extend beyond the term of the agreement. So you may have a three month agreement, but there's a provision in there that says like, you know, provisions three, six, and nine. And one of that, one of those provisions is the non-competition agreement. And that may extend, you know, past termination of the agreement. And that makes extend, you know, five years past the termination. So you forget about it in five years, Oh, and then all of a sudden it, but
1: given all these hidey holes, we'll call them, they have <laughs> within the agreement. Would it be better if the influencer gives them an agreement and then kind of adds the the list of of what what is it called? The list of uh, deliverables as an addendum.
0: Right. Absolutely, absolutely. It it typically is. It's it's. It can be harder for the the influencer to do that because one, you have to have you know you have to have a contract, so having that prepared. And I know a lot of influencers don't have a contract um, on them, but also um, you have to have the confidence to say, "Hey, let's use my agreement. Um, I prefer to use my agreement. It's my policy to use my agreement and try going from there. Sometimes it won't work, but a lot of times it will, and it does help you out because." you know what's in this contract. You know there's no little secrets in there. You know exactly you know, you know how it works. And like you said, you can attach on a schedule and you can change it up. And um, it really does help you out with having to go back and forth and, and find the little holes and, and the wordings that they're placing in there. Because those agreements that were drafted for the brand is very one-sided. Absolutely. very one-sided and so mm-hmm. favorable to the brand and it it takes a lot some agreements I look at I'm like I don't even know what this means like this is like who wrote this like what what are they trying to do here this is so overcomplicated and so extreme and you know it just makes it even more costly to the influencer because now you're having to pay a lawyer or somebody else to review your contracts for them. The fee needs to go up mm-hmm. at that point as well.
1: Mm-hmm. So now that everyone has heard what you do and the value you could bring to their careers as influencers, I think the big concern with people starting out is the cost. So earlier you would mentioned that you started out working for a percentage of the deal. Is that still how you're
0: operating? Most of the time for me, I I love you know one-on-one helping influencers, but I think a lot of times my cost <laughs> the cost to, to, to negotiate a brand deal can be expensive. So I definitely understand that there are some people, and sometimes I may do um, a percentage, but for the most time I do just a flat fee, just so you know, you know, how much the the rate is. And then I know like how much I'm getting out of here. And there's just no confusion at that. But what I really think a lot of influencers um, like influencers need, because a lot of times you can't bring somebody in a retainer. You can't bring somebody in. Um, and so a lot of times what influencers need is just a lot of support and education on how to go about negotiating their brand deals. And so that's why I started, you know, I started writing a playbook and creating a playbook and we talked about a little about how to negotiate brand deals like a lawyer. And that's something that kind of walks influencers step by step and guides them and how you can go about reviewing your own brand deal contracts until you can maybe get to a point where you can afford to put someone like me on a retainer or afford to put somebody Um, To pay somebody per each contract because some of these contracts are gifted contracts. Some of the times you're starting off and you're like, oh my gosh, if I pay your rate, I get like, you know, so little from that. So some of the times it 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 may when you're you're starting out, you may you know want to review your contract sign up on your own, but still have the education, the backing, and the confidence on your by by yourself. And so that's what I'm hoping to also provide influencers.
1: Absolutely. So now you have. I believe a course coming out as well. Absolutely. So, could you tell us how that factored into the evolution of the business you're building?
0: Yes, when I, you know, I talked to a lot of influencers, and you know, it, it was it was kind of the conversation about rate and price, and especially during the period of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's probably where it came from. A lot of brands were. Um, were, well, a lot of brands were using provisions in agreements. It, it helped in multiple ways. So a lot of brands were using provisions and agreements to get out of working with influencers, um, which became problematic. The for, force majeure, if, <laughs> if you recall that provision, it's a provision where like yeah. extreme circumstances happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it was an issue for a lot of companies. Um, if you're familiar, if people listening are familiar with that provision. It was a, an issue for a, a lot of companies of either getting out of contracts or trying to force you know, people to take their contracts. And so, um, influencers started to see during this COVID period about the importance of reviewing your contracts and them. But also because brand deals were holding back on deals and not being very consistent, you know, having somebody on retainer was just a lot more difficult. And so. I understood as influencers, you still need the help. The help is like, you still need to understand um, how to go about it. And maybe sometimes you just kind of want to do it yourself for the smaller deals. So during the period of COVID, I created the course, um, how to negotiate brand deals like lawyer, like a lawyer. And it really does just educate you on, you know, the starting place of how to read your own contract, what each provision means. It has a dictionary in there for like Most of the terms that I've ever heard of when negotiating a brand deal all there for you. So you can come and put yourself in a better position to negotiate your own deals. And so that, yes, maybe if it's not consistent for you yet and you can't say every month I'm landing 5K, I'm landing 20K, I'm landing 50K, you have the resources um, with you to kind of do those one-off deals by yourself until you get to a point where you're like, I just don't have the time to negotiate the deals. I need somebody. And then that's where I come in to kind of take that off your plate a little bit.
1: Oh, I love that. I've heard so many amazing stories of how people have been able to pivot and adjust their business just to the times we're operating in. And that sounds like a great way to at least capture the part of the, of the influencer market that's just still trying to figure things out and they don't want to give you their whole paycheck.
0: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly, And it's, you know, I quickly learned that it's, it's sometimes it's not that the influencers don't know they need it. It's just that, you know, the cost, Maybe a lot for anybody starting out as a business, um, and especially for influencers who were there's a lot of there's a huge learning curve at the beginning. So um, definitely happy to get this course and give this playbook out to influencers, and so that they can you know do something and advocate for themselves and negotiate for more, and they don't walk away from so many deals. Cause I get I hear that from so many influencers. There's so many deals where they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited I get to work with blah blah blah, and then at the end of it, they're not happy and they're pissed off because they. They wouldn't pay them how much they wanted to. They agreed at a rate that they didn't like, and they did all this work with the hopes of working for this brand again, and then nothing ever came from it, and now they have these huge, like, exclusivity provisions and this broad license, and the brand just doesn't even need to come back because they basically own your content, and they kind of own you at that point when, you're, <laughs> when you have, like, a 12-month exclusivity and you only, you know, created one story or one post for them, so what? little thing things like that, that really have started irritating influencers. And I think they've had enough.
1: Oh, so for now, anyone who's eager to get into your course or maybe consult with you, how can they find you?
0: They can find me in two ways. I'm always on Instagram, so you can just find me at advised by Steph, or you can go to my website and then that's where you can purchase um, the course. And you can also, you know, Um, schedule a call to talk to me and see how we can best work together. And that's at advisedbystaff.com.
1: Wow. This was such a jam-packed episode. I really appreciate it. And I think this is such a timely conversation because the need for influencers is on the rise, but it's important that they're very highly informed before they get stuck into a deal that they don't like or they don't want.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And the influencer industry and influencer marketing is still growing. So if that's something that you're questioning if you should get into, get into it now before you're looking at it 10 years from now and your friends are making millions. Get into it now. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate it, Steph. Thank you. Thank you. It's so
1: great to be here. Bye. Hi, Offscripters. I'm so glad you made it to the end of this episode. If you enjoy listening to our show, please pay it forward by sharing us with your network. Between episodes, you can find me on Instagram. Our handle is at She's Offscript, or you can catch up on past episodes at She's Offscript.com.